Carl Jung wrote, I'm accused of mysticism. I do not, however, hold myself responsible for the fact that man has, everywhere and always, spontaneously developed religious forms of expression, and that the human psyche from time immemorium has been shot through with religious feelings and ideas. Whoever cannot see this aspect of human psyche is blind, and whoever chooses to explain it away or to enlighten it away has no sense of reality. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm Stacy Wheeler. As far back as we can see, people have always created religions and spiritual belief systems. Jung believed that religion was our way of expressing the deeper knowing we all feel inside the soul. It seems a quiet mind has always led to a peaceful, easy feeling, a feeling of the mystical. It's not surprising that we'd look for an answer to this sensation. Attributing the feeling to a god figure is a natural reaction, I think. It must be, because it seems every culture throughout history has done this in one way or another. I love the word ineffable. It means too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words. I mean, just try to explain the beauty of a rainforest during a storm. It's impossible. And it's impossible to convey the sensation of sitting quietly with the soul. It's ultimately ineffable. Alan Watts put it this way, you can't get wet from the word water. The soul connection is indescribable. It moves us profoundly when we get there. It's so powerful it leads us to seek an explanation in a higher power. So we create a God. Then we create a religious structure. First came the soul connection, then came the gods, then religion was built around the God figure. Today we're gonna go right up to the moment when the old religions fell away right before the soul was attached to new gods and new religions. First, let's make a stop in West Africa. In a place that we now know as Kenya, about 5,000 years back, lived the earliest herding communities there. Now, in recent years, archaeologists discovered stone circles and a massive cemetery. It's called the Lothagam North Pillar Site. I'll put that name in the show notes with everything else so you don't have to write it down. The archaeologists believe the native people that lived there were there for hundreds and hundreds of years, and the graves they found there represent multiple generations of people. There's nearly a thousand graves that they can identify, and nearly everyone there is buried in a ceremonial way. Grave goods of beads, necklaces, and other valuables are found with the bodies. So again, we see the belief that we survived the death of the body. West Africans believed in the soul 3,000 years before modern religions, and they weren't alone. Let's jump across the Atlantic to southern Peru, about 2,000 years later. Though we've looked mostly at Europe and Asia so far, the soul connection has been found as far back as we can go in just about every culture where we find evidence or writing. So let's look at South America. Though the cultures found there are younger than those of Europe, Asia, and Africa, and the Arab regions, the earliest humans in the Americas also understood the existence of the soul. In northern Peru, in 2018, researchers found the remains of two young people along with various treasures that included pieces of obsidian and ornamental golden plate. It's like a chest plate thing. Now, this is the oldest undisturbed ritual gravesite found in South America. There have been many other older gravesites found, but they had been disturbed and looted. The assumption is that, you know, they would have, wouldn't have been looted unless there was something valuable in them. So these sites probably go back much further than these, these types of burials. So as we mentioned earlier, ritual burials with valuable items left inside are an indication that the tribal people believed that there's an eternal part of us. 
And as a reminder where we are on the timeline, this is still about a thousand years before the birth of Christianity. Now before we leave the Americas, let's head north. Many of the native North American tribes passed on verbal history in the belief of the soul. Sadly, the early natives didn't have well-established ways to share ideas or safe historical beliefs, and European imperialism destroyed much of their history and culture. So what we do have is what was passed down verbally. As far as we can tell, tribes across all of North America seem to have a belief in the soul and life after death. This was fairly widespread, but we're just going to look at a couple of different tribes here to get a little sense of it. Among the Sheep Eater Shoshone people, there are three kinds of soul. They had names for each. I'm not going to try to pronounce these because I'll probably hurt native ears with my attempt. Uh, I would like to, but I'll, I'll share this in the names in the show notes. But the breakdown looks like this. The first soul is the ego soul, and it's said to be embodied in the breath. The second soul is the free soul, and it's able to leave the body during dreams or other sleeping states. And the last one is the body soul which activates the body during waking hours. And what's really interesting is that we see the same sort of tradition of thought in tribes that are more than a thousand miles away. And, you know, this isn't a time where you could just fly over and have a conversation with someone. So we can't ever know how this information was shared or if it was shared or if they just came to their own conclusions. But in the Atlantic Northeast, the Narragansett people believe there was one soul that was at work when we sleep and another that leaves the body after death. A third soul was located near the heart. It was the individual's animating force. And the Huron people believed we have two souls. One animates the body, and one exists outside of our physical lives. It comes alive in sleep. The first communicates with the physical world, and the other communicates with the spirit world. When the soul returns to the body, dreams are how the soul communicates its experiences. So thousands of years before Freud and Jung talked about the psyche, Native American tribes were already struggling to understand the nature of the duality we apparently always felt. Many tribes also believed in reincarnation or rebirth, which echoes beliefs of distant cultures on the other side of the world. We can see that the idea that we're more than the body seems to be a universal thought for all people. The last stop before we cross the bridge into the modern religion in the next episode is the East, China to be exact. More than half a century before the birth of Jesus in what's now China, a man known as Lao Tzu was pondering the nature of the soul. And he did much more than just ponder, luckily for us. Lao Tzu's obsession with the soul and our relationship to it led him to write what we, what's known as the Tao Te Ching, which became the primary holy text for the religion of Taoism. The meaning of the Tao is not easy to define because the definition is massive yet simple. It's more of a knowing this is that ineffable part I was talking about. Lao Tzu decided there was no way to describe the indescribable soul or the spiritual nature of things, so he put a placeholder word on the whole topic. He just called it the Tao. And this word broadly covered a lot of topics, as we'll see in a moment. So let's have a little bit of fun and look at uh, modern self-proclaimed authorities who try to explain the meaning of the Tao. If you Google the meaning, the first definition you'll get is the absolute principle underlying the universe combining within itself the principles of yin and yang and signifying the way or code of behavior that is in harmony with the natural order. Now if you were to read that without any previous exposure to Taoist thinking you might wonder what does that mean? So maybe Wikipedia can help. It says Tao means a road, path, way, and hence the way in which one does something, method, doctrine, principle. 
Okay, and here you might start to see the idea of the way starting to form, yet still not quite understanding the definition. So maybe Merriam-Webster's dictionary can clear it up. It says the Tao is the unconditional and unknowable source and guiding principle of all reality as conceived by Taoists. It's clear the meaning is elusive, even to sources like these who claim to know. It's a funny part of the human condition that we can't help but name everything. We're obsessed with naming. So, of course, the experts try to attach a meaning to the word meant to be nothing more than a loose placeholder for something that is unnameable. Let's look a little deeper at the Tao. The meaning shifts slightly depending on the angle you're approaching it from. The Tao can refer to, yet not mean, the soul. It can refer to, yet not mean, God. It can refer to the source of human existence, and it can simply mean a way of living, a way of being. Lao Tzu didn't create a word equivalent to what we call the soul. It's too ineffable to name. In reference to what we call the soul, he did leave us verse 14 of the Tao Te Ching. And it goes like this. This oneness is not much brighter in the sky, and it is not much dimmer on earth. It is not more glorious in a saint and it is not more fainter in an ordinary person. It is everlasting and cannot be named. Rather than bang his head against it, Lao Tzu accepted that it was unnameable. Lao Tzu understood what Soren Kierkegaard concisely explained 1200 years later when he wrote, once you label me, you negate me. Since Lao Tzu felt it was unnameable, he didn't create a name for it. That is why the Tao is used to reference the soul, but does not define it, does not name it. This is useful to know when reading what he wrote about it, understanding that the Tao was used sometimes to reference more than just the soul. What you read in the Tao Te Ching makes a little more sense. So let's compare how Lao Tzu is using the Tao, first in reference to God. This is from the fourth verse of the Tao Te Ching. The Tao is empty but inexhaustible, bottomless, the ancestor of it all. He also wrote in reference to the soul, it is hidden but always present. I do not know who gave birth to it. It seems to be the common ancestor of us all, the father of things. It's a slippery word, but once you understand its use, you can see that Lao Tzu's writings aren't a riddle like they might read before you understand that. They're deeply philosophical, and they really look at the specifics of these things as closely as you can without naming them and trying to pin them down. It leaves it a little loose. Taoism became a way to live your life in harmony with the Tao. It's a religion based around a truth we've always known, that we're not alone in here. So we started about 7,000 years back in episode one, and we've traveled to just short of the modern age, just before Christianity and Islam were formed. In the next episode, we'll jump into the modern age of religion and see what people have to say about the soul when writing becomes more widely used and more voices are able to be heard. Thank you for listening to The Soul Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, learned something new, or were just entertained, please tell your friends about the show and hit that follow button. This is the best way for other people to find the show. Check the show notes for links to supporting information as well as any books or other reading material related to this episode.